Welcome to the Wise Guys Podcast. Wise Guys is your home to interact with the worldwide community of BYU fans in a variety of ways. We're your hosts, Dave McCann and Blaine Fowler. What you're about to hear is the audio recording from our weekly live broadcast. We invite you to join us for the show live every week to chat with us and with other BYU fans. You can find the schedule and watch live at wiseguys.com. That's ysguys.com. Thanks for listening and go Cougs. It is Tuesday, the best day of the week. Dave McCann, Blaine Fowler. Welcome to the Wise Guys. Typically, we like to mess around at the start of the show, but we we got to get right to business tonight. Yeah, we got to get to business because we got a great guest coming on quickly. Uh, make sure that you follow us on YouTube. We'll put the link in the chat. And uh, if you hit that subscribe button, it's free. Um, and when you click on the bell, you get notifications. Ding. Yeah, whenever we post something, we go live, anything like that, you're notified. So if, if you've already subscribed, then you got a little notification just a few minutes ago saying, hey, we're going live with Wise Guys tonight. So, so please subscribe. The more subscribers we get. Um, the longer we get to do the show. So there you go. And we plan to do the show for a long, long time. And follow us at ysguys.com and subscribe to get our weekly email. That'll send you highlights from our show, and it's all free. Uh, and then if you look around there, all our past interviews are sitting right there. Danny Ainge, Murray Osmond, Jimmer Fredette, Ty Detmer, Kyle Van Noy, Mark Pope, Jay Hill, Dennis Pitta, Max Hall, Mark Wilson, Elaine Bradley, Austin Colley, Matt and Savannah Shaw, Amber and Amari Whiting, Gennaro Guilford, and a whole lot more. They're right there. It's like going into a donut shop in the morning when the baker has, has got them all out there. And then it's, it's all kinds of colors and flavors, and, and uh, you can just listen to whatever you want. Yeah, and uh, by the way, uh, Amber and Amari Whiting, they were just on a couple weeks ago. They were awesome. They were great. And, and you just are scratching the surface with, with the guest list there, so... Um, I'm certain there's some that you missed, so so go back and look in that archive, and you can bring up any of those. And hey, just if you want to, just stick your AirPods in and go out on your bike and ride and, and listen to Danny H. Exercise with the wise guys. That could be a whole summer campaign. Exercise with the wise guys. Shout out to Beaumont, Texas, already with uh, Mike Mike Z, just me from Beaumont, and we want you to tonight as you. Get on our live stream. Let us know where you're watching from, yep. and we'll BYU try to Sport, point it all out. BYU Sports Attic is one of our guys always with us, um, and then Dr. Ketch as well. Earl Carr's joining us from Bountiful, uh, up, uh, Bountiful up in Davis County um, tonight. Last We had one last week because we, we know we always have Corey Yoshimura listening to us from Japan. Yeah. Wish we could talk to Corey today and find out about this PGA, PGA Live. Live merger. He would be in the know on all of that since he's – Basically runs the PGA's Asian Tour division, um, but uh, we always have Corey from Japan. And last week we had somebody from Panama. Panama. Yeah, it was great. Really cool. Earl so. Carr is here from Bountiful. They're having a big storm up there yeah. that way tonight. So hang in there, Earl. And and uh, we're just getting started. So please let us know where you're listening, watching from as we launch into this big, big night with football news. BYU adds another four-star linebacker. We'll take a look at the linebacker yep. room. Yeah. Hey, hey, Jordan Leslie, former BYU receiver, is live with us tonight. He's coming on real quick. We'll ask him for his advice for BYU's new crop of grad transfers who want to do what he did. Was, I don't know if he's the very first. Probably not the but, first, but, but in man. This, but this era, you know, he, he graduated um, from UTEP. We're going to get into all of this and talk about a story and came and had an immediate impact on BYU as a grad transfer in his one year here. Jimmer wins the silver at the World Cup in the three-on-three competition, now setting his sight 
on gold at the Olympics. We'll talk about that. Yeah, and, coming did, and up. didn't didn't his last three just rattle out to win the thing? Yeah, it was it was mostly in. It was and then it mostly spun out. Is that kind of like mostly dead on the Princess Bride? That's because he's not dead. He's just mostly yeah, dead. Yeah, except it didn't go back in. Yeah, it didn't go and back they in. And they were dead because they got beat. That's too uh, bad. But they got beat by a team that won it six straight years. And the U.S. just trying to get f- figure this whole three on three right. out. Yeah. So, but Jimmer was the leading scorer in the tournament. Uh, again, all that coming up a bit later Jimmer was on. just jimmering people. Yeah. So that's what he was doing. It's international Jimmer mania. I don't know if yeah. the world's ready for it. I'll Wait, be honest. Paris Olympics, it's going to be big. And we're going to have some of our former guests uh, in the Paris Olympics, right? Yeah, yeah. And Jimmer, including one of those. We have multiple guests that we've had on this last year that will follow in the Paris Olympics uh, next summer. Speaking of our guests, let's jump right into our our visitor tonight. A grad transfer long before grad transfers were cool. He's only 31, but he's old school. That's right. Uh, and he provided a blueprint for today's crop of grad transfers to succeed at BYU. A pleasure to welcome former Cougar receiver Jordan Leslie to the Wise Guys, joining us live from Arizona where he's owning his own dream at the Sports Academy. Jordan, thanks for joining us. Thank you for having me. Yeah, in fact, Dave, Dave um, you were a really nice article about Jordan this week in Deseret it's News. It's Jordan Leslie week. Is yeah, and Jordan, I, know, I know you read the article because I saw you commented on it on Twitter. And so, like... It, it's Jordan Leslie Week on the Wise Guys. It was a great article for sure. I appreciate that, Dave. You got it. You got your great story. You're the grandfather of BYU's grad student transfers, uh, even though you're 31. You're still the grandfather of them all. But one of the most impactful the program's ever had. What was the transition like to go from UTEP to BYU for your one year up here? Um, honestly, I mean, coming into it, I thought it was going to be difficult. Uh, coming to a new school, you're a senior, you've already kind of established yourself somewhere, and now you have to get into a room full of guys that have been with each other for a while and show them that, you're, you know, you're good enough to be there. So I thought it was going to be difficult, but like I said in the article, from, from day one, the, the BYU players, Taysom Hill, Mitch Matthews, uh, to name two, were very, very accepting. Um, from the day I walked in, they showed me where everything was, meeting rooms. They invited me to over to their house, came over to my house, took me around Provo, showed me all the good places to eat, where to hang out. So they made it real easy. made it a real easy transition. They made it fun. Um, BYU as a team, I mean, we were a really close knit team. Uh, there wasn't too much bickering. It was a lot of, a lot of competitive spirits, but had fun and knew once we got off the football field, we were all family at the end. You know, there's several grad transfers. Big, biggest class of, of transfers, period, with this transfer portal yeah. thing. But in that big class of transfers, there's several grad transfers that, that are coming in. Keaton Slovis, Aiden Robbins. So Keaton from, from Pitt, USC, then Pitt, then here. You got Aiden Robbins out of UNLV, Eddie Heckert out of Weber. Um, what, what's going to be the biggest challenge for these guys as they try to integrate into this program this fall? Um, I would say the biggest thing is just understanding the system, and which I'm sure they're, they're studying night and day to try to get this down. Luckily, they were able to come in the spring, too, so that helps a lot, understanding. Um, there's really not too too much of a challenge. Uh, BYU fans, one, make it easy for you because they love their BYU football. They're going to show you a lot of love. As long as you, as long as you work hard, uh, you're going to be a fan favorite. So that on that aspect, you're good. And then when it comes to the players, um, when I know from my time at BYU and just talking to other players that are in BYU currently, um, I don't think there'll be any problems. I think they'll, they'll come in, hit the ground running, and, and get ready for a great season. Jordan Leslie graduated from UTEP in electrical engineering before coming to BYU on the Wise Guys tonight, live on YouTube, Facebook, Twitch, and wiseguys.com. During your time with the Miners, 
Caught 125 passes for 2,015 yards and 15 touchdowns. Why did you decide to leave once you had your degree and you had another year of eligibility? And why did you choose BYU? Um, so the reason why I left, there was, there was a little bit of, there was a lot of things. Um, obviously, I had a little disagreement with one of the coaches on the coaching staff. And then just kind of the, the route we were going. Uh, the year before, I think, I had like 977 yards, like 30 yards away from 1,000. We passed the ball a lot. Um, and then the year after, it was very run heavy. Um, a lot of my passes were screens and things like that. And so I just wanted somewhere where I thought could showcase my talent, give me a chance to, to play in the NFL. And when I decided that I wanted to transfer, I wanted to go somewhere where, one, I felt like the coaching staff had my best interests at mind. And, and two, somewhere where I felt like I would be welcome. So... In my search, like I said, there wasn't no, there wasn't a transfer portal. There wasn't people reaching out. It was just, hey, it's on you to do everything. So I talked to a couple of coaches, but knowing that Coach Holiday was at BYU and it was somebody that I could trust, somebody that had been around me, knew my playing style, and knew what I was capable of, and I knew that he was going to push me to be the best player that I could be. It was it was a no brainer to go to BYU. Yes, yeah, so and then once I went, I'm oh, sorry, once I went on my visit and, and saw the fan base and saw it rocking at the basketball game and what they showed for just the recruits that were coming in. It was after that, I was like, yeah, I'm sold. Yeah. I was going to ask you when you're talking about guy holiday, um, most of these guys that are transferring in. Don't have that where the coach where they were is not going to be the coach where they're going. How much did that influence? Was that the game, you know, the game changer? Like, well, this is just so obvious because of it. And how did that help you integrate when you had guy where you were and where you were going? I would say, you know, if we're breaking it down percentage, probably about 85, 90% was because of Coach Holiday. Um, it, we had a great relationship. It, like I said, it was, he was my coach, so somebody I could trust. Um, the other 10% was meeting with uh, Bronco Mendenhall, talking to him and, and seeing his mindset, meeting the players, and, and seeing kind of the game plan. And I would say another 2% of it was probably knowing that we were going to play UT the next year, and I, I wanted to get after him. <laughs> Shout out to uh, Jonathan watching with us from Henderson, Nevada. Glenn from the Philippines up early. Yeah, how about Glenn watching Lumens the, watching us in the Philippines? That's pretty awesome. Said, and they're all excited to hear pretty more nice. from you, Jordan. So you're, this, is your, this is your moment here on the Wise Guys. You played for two quarterbacks at BYU, Taysom Hill and uh, Christian Stewart. Hill for the first four and a half games. And then Stewart, the rest of the way after Taysom got hurt against Utah State, you catch 55 passes for 779 yards, six touchdowns. You run for a touchdown. Was this as much fun as you had hoped it would be? No, I mean, of course. Uh, obviously, at the end of the day, we didn't accomplish a goal that was set out in front of us. Uh, we obviously wanted to be undefeated, be ranked, have a chance to, to play in a playoff. But it, it didn't end up. But as a whole, uh, I enjoyed my time at BYU, um, made plays, was able to be around a great group of guys, got to go to a bowl game in Miami. There, there was obviously, just like with anything in life, you, you have times where, you know, I wish I would have done this different. I wish I would have done this different. But as a whole, um, I know I left everything out on the field. Uh, I gave it everything I had at BYU, so I enjoyed my time. The fan base is amazing, and they've been amazing ever since I've left. I still get people running up to me and, hey, I remember when you were at BYU. I loved you there. So it, it's been an amazing, amazing time after football, and I'm glad that I made that decision. It's our pleasure to have former BYU receiver Jordan Leslie on the Wise Guys tonight. One game that I know you don't wish went any different, because you already mentioned it. 
You mentioned that you were going to have UT on the schedule, University of Texas, the Longhorns. Um, BYU 41, Texas 7. Um, you, are, you have seven receptions for 85 yards. The longest was a 27-yard circus catch that set up a touchdown. For a kid, a kid that grew up in Texas um, and you played at UTEP, what did it mean to go beat the Longhorns in Austin? And by the way, Dave and I were there right on the sideline yeah, uh, broadcasing and watching you. So what, what was that like? It was amazing. It was a dream come true. Growing up from Texas, I went to UT's football camps. I remember busting my butt there. I remember dreaming my whole life, hey, I'm, I'm going to play in the Burn Orange. I remember watching Vince Young win that national championship. I'm like, I'm going to be there one day. That's going to be me. And when recruiting came, I, I talked to some coaches, and they said they were interested, and I never heard back. And ever since that day, I was like, all right, well, wherever I go, I'm going to make sure that I get to play UT and I get to beat them. And recruiting, I thought I was going to go to Kansas, honestly. And um, something came up with that. So I ended up going to UTEP and I didn't see them on the schedule. So I was a little heartbroken, but getting the chance to play them in Austin in front of a lot of family friends that came out, a lot of friends that were in college that go to UT, it, it was an amazing feeling. And to put a butt whooping on them, that was, that was the best part <laughs> of it. <laughs> hey, Linda's with us from Colorado. Andrew from Alaska. Richard's back with us from Panama. As the wise guys linking BYU Cougar Nation around the world. So put us in your helmet running out of the locker room. It was 95 degrees that night, so it was a roaster. But you take the field in front of 85,000, I think it was, fans there at uh, Memorial Stadium. Bevo's on the other end doing nothing. And it's your boyhood dream to play for the Longhorns. But you're running out with a BYU helmet on. They're probably booing you. I can't remember. I imagine they did. What was it like for you to take the field finally for a ball game there at Texas? It was amazing. First thing, you you step on the field, you just take it all in. Because it's an environment. Obviously, it's an amazing environment. The the stadium's packed. Fans are screaming left and right. I'm pretty sure we got booed at least. So... That, that kind of gets your adrenaline going. And just like in any game, um, there's always nerves there. But once you get that first catch, it kind of changes anything, everything. And I just told Taysom, hey, give me that first catch, and we're going to get rolling. And I think I caught like a slant. And then after that, all those nerves are gone, and now it's just back to playing the game. That's a kid's game I've been playing all my life. Yeah, we, we were there, Jordan, um, right on the sideline where Taysom hurdled their guy before he went in. We were right, right, right in front of us, he hurdled the guy. And then I don't know how many years later, um, I was walking across that field. I was at a dinner that they were having in their boosters club. And one of their old All-American baseball players, we were walking across the field. I didn't even think anything of it. And he stopped. And he goes, you know what happened right here, don't you? And I go, what? He goes, this this is right where Taysom Hill hurdled that dude. (laughs) I'm like, wait a minute. You're a Texas guy. You remember that? He goes, everybody in Texas remembers that night. It's the worst night of our life. I mean, that kind of whooping doesn't happen ever. And Austin, what was that like to just literally run them out of the stadium? It was amazing. I think I had the same amount of catches that they had points. So it was, it was great. <laughs> you we did. went into the locker room, and I obviously won't describe everything that happened in the locker room, but it, it was a wild scene. Uh, obviously, Bronco got Gatorade poured on him. It was, it was a big just pull-out mosh pit. Everybody was having fun. Everybody was excited. It, it was probably one of the best times I've had after a football game uh-huh. um, in my college career. After the uh, Taysom leap, the very next drive is the drive of your circus catch. I call it a Lynn Swan yeah, it was a great old catch. school catch, um, which set up uh, the touchdown run by Adam Heaney, and then the route was on. Uh, and you described that to me earlier in the week. I'm going to ask you again. You're, you're supposed to run a, a post, right, of some, a post fade? or what, Walk us through that play, uh, and how in the world did you make that catch? 
So I think the play name was Cop. So it's a corner post. So you kind of going vertical about 10 to 12 yards, break into the corner, trying to get that corner to bite it, and then go into the post. And so when I went to the post, I turned around and it looked like Taysom got hit. And so as the ball left his hand, it obviously didn't travel the distance that he was hoping it to. So I had to come back to the ball. And when I came back, there was a corner obviously behind me. So I kind of, he kind of ran and kind of knocked it out a little, and I just had the composure to keep it in. After seeing Taysom jump over somebody, I was like, man, I got to one-up somehow. <laughs> it wasn't as, as good as jumping over somebody, but I think I made a good play. It was a tremendous play, and I still remember the oohs and ahs oh, yeah. of disbelief in the stadium of there's no way he held on to that yeah, ball. Yeah, and it's, it's, they always talk about you want to have a receiver out there as a quarterback that if – even when they're covered, you go, well, I'm just going to throw it out there because that guy's going to make a play. And we, we want to take you now from Austin, which was a great experience for all of us. We were all there, and it was amazing. Now let's go to the, to the coast, to Berkeley. Um, BYU 42, Cal 35. This was a big play game for you. Five receptions, 155 yards, um, and, and two touchdowns at Berkeley. Uh, and 83 yards and 38 yards on those two touchdowns. 83-yard touchdown. That's, that's, that's a big one. Uh, take us back to Berkeley and what that game felt like for you. Well, at the beginning of the year, I told Taysom, anytime you get a chance, throw it up. I'll make a play on it. And so <laughs> going, going into Cal, I mean, Christian Stewart was another really good friend of mine on the team um, and spent a lot of time together. And it was the last game of the season. I almost told him the same thing. Like, hey, man, you, you see me, just let it go. I'll make a play. And – um, one of the, one of the, I think the 83 yard touchdown was just a go. Um, it was just a simple play call goes on both sides. The corner pressed me, had no help over the top. And I knew if I could get him off the line and uh, Christian Stewart, it was over or through it, it was over. And he had faith in me, let it go. And it was 83 yards later. And I think the next touchdown was a bust in coverage. I was just wide open in the middle of the field and Christian saw me again. Look, your last of your four last receptions, three went to touchdowns. At BYU, that's if you want to be that's remembered, to do, do that. That's the way to do it for sure. Now, you were on a handful of NFL practice squads. You dream always to get to the league, including the Browns. Cleveland activates you before the game against the Colts in 2017. Uh, how did you find out the news that you were going to make your NFL debut? What was that moment like? So, uh, just to take it back a little, so honestly, training camp um, before I actually before training camp, you know finishing the season before I was actually going to go to Dallas and I talked to the upper management and they were like, Hey, if you make plays in training camp, you'll be on this team. So I was like, Hey, let me stick it out here. They've seen me. So I went out to training camp. I made plays. I think I was leading in touchdowns, receptions and receiving yards. And I still got cut. And so I was heartbroken. So, you know, I'm two to three weeks, I think outside the league. And then I get a call, Hey, we want to bring you back to a practice squad. And I was like, okay, well, Hey, this is another opportunity. So that week, I trained on the practice squad for the first the Tuesday. And then they started telling me, like, hey, there might be a chance you could play this week. And so then that kind of took it up a notch. So I took all the first team reps. I took all the second team reps. I took the practice squad reps. I was running nonstop. But I was like, <laughs> hey, if I get a shot to play, I'm going to be out there. And then uh, Friday, they actually gave me the word that I would be playing. And what did they call I you? My mom. I was what like, they, what they I, I got to buy you a flight right now. <laughs> do they call you? How do they, how do they tell uh, a young guy is going to play for the first time? So this one was my receiver coach, um, Al Saunders, which meant a lot coming for me because obviously, you know, he's, he was the OC for the greatest show on turf. And, you know, he's been around the game for a long time. He's been one of my biggest, biggest supporters. And um, obviously upper management, 
didn't think the best of me, so they let me go a couple of times. But he was always the one fighting for me. So he was one of the first people to tell me, him and his, him and his son, who were both big supporters. They told me, and, you know, it's, it's a feeling that you really can't even express. I mean, you worked your whole life to, to do this. You thought you've, you've done enough to be able to be on the field, and you keep getting cut. And then to have someone tell you, hey, this is your chance, it was amazing. In, in that game, Jordan, you make a sensational one-handed grab, which seems like it's a theme that we're talking about tonight, these one-handed grabs, yeah. on a 26-yard pass down to the two-yard line. And it would become your only NFL reception. Take us back, and, and what memories do you have from that play? Um, that one was a go-to. <laughs> There's another running theme of just give me a go and see what happens. But uh, got, got a little jammed on the line. Uh, was able to fake inside and get outside and – Deshaun threw me a, a great ball. I, I stuck my hand up there. I think the corner had my other hand. I was able to get one hand on it. And if you look at the film, I'm not even excited about the catch because I catch it and I'm like, we didn't score. And we were in two-minute hustle or two-minute two minute drill. So I'm like, I got to hustle. So I'm trying to get the ball to the ref. And then they obviously called a timeout. And so then I finally got to, like, express my feelings and, and get excited. And it, it was an amazing feeling. It's something I'll never forget. I'll show my kids that the rest of my life. I show my players when they ask. Um, that next week I ended up tearing my hamstring. So that, that next week hurt, but you know, for that, for that time, that day, it, it was amazing. Yeah. I've seen it on YouTube. Yes. It's, it's a phenomenal catch, but you made a ton of those. So it seemed, it seemed right after that injury, you get waived. And as his business in the NFL, um, that was it, you know, the, it was practice squad. Uh, and then, and then you re- retired from the game. How hard is it, uh, to stay in the NFL? It's a tough business. Um, it's, it can be a little political. It can kind of – you. it's kind of who you know sometimes, and, and it's not always the best man wins. If, if you're undrafted, you got to be twice as good as the drafted player. Um, it, I think after I tore my hamstring that next year in Denver, I led them in training camp and preseason and touchdowns, receiving yards and receptions again, and I still got cut. And so once that happened, I was two years in a row, I was just like, you know, Maybe it's not for me. Uh, I went up to the CFL for a week, and it was just totally different to kind of what I was expecting from the NFL. And I just kind of, at that point, I just wanted to start my true dream, which was opening a sports facility and, and helping kids achieve their dream. And so once I made that decision, um, I, I'm, I'm one of the guys, is, if I'm all in, I'm all in. There's no yeah. one that's going to outwork me. But once I decide, hey, it's time to hang those cleats up, now i got to put my mindset to something else. Let's talk about that something else a little bit. You played football, basketball, you ran track at Tomball High School. So now you're training athletes for a living in Arizona. I know you're a fan of kids playing multiple sports. Is How important is it that they are well-rounded, and what advice do you give them as you're training as, as they're coming up through? It's so important. I mean, so much what I what I learned from being a receiver was from basketball, boxing out and rebounding, um, the side to side lateral movements, everything. Playing defense on the basketball court helped me with my quickness, my agility. I would say so much that I achieved in this game was because I was a well rounded athlete. And so I told all my athletes, play every sport you can. Only way to get faster is by running more. Uh, the only way to jump higher is by jumping more. Get on that basketball court, get some rebounds, work on your explosion. Um, I think right now it's getting to a point where some kids are getting burnt out so early because they're playing tackle football in the fall. They're playing tackle football in the spring and then they get the summer or to March, April and they're playing or later in the spring and they're playing seven on seven. And I mean, we had one kid that broke his arm in the fall, broke his leg in the, the winter. It's just, it's tough to put a lot on such young kids playing year round tackle football. So I always preach to the kids, get outside and play different sports. 
and, and just be a, be an athlete. Um, don't don't think and pigeon your whole pigeonhole yourself into one sport or one position. Go out there and try it all. You never know what you'll like and what you'll be good at. Couple more questions for Jordan Leslie tonight on YouTube, Facebook, Twitch, and YSGuys.com. A lot of folks on the stream want to know, uh, want us to ask, what are you doing right now? So tell us about this sports performance facility in the Mesa Tempe area. Yes, sir. So um, me, myself, and uh, Coach Guy Holiday opened up a training facility of about 26,000 square feet. We have two turf fields. We have a full-time chiropractor, um, a part-time physical therapist, full-time strength coach. We have a speed coach who has a silver medal in the Olympics. We have soccer coaches that played professionally professional in Brazil. We have another soccer coach that played at Washington. So when it comes to anything on the athletic side, we have somebody in here that specializes in that. And that's what we wanted to provide, specialized training. So, Obviously, me and Coach Holiday handle the position for position work when it comes to football. Um, I handle the athletic training, the agility and plyometric trainings. Uh, anything a kid needs when it comes to their athletic ability, I even want to add some tutors in here to help them with their academics. We want to be an all-in-one sports performance facility for all the athletes and even looking to get some scholarship programs for some kids that can't afford it. That's good. What was the temperature in uh, Arizona today? hundred and something? Yeah, I think it got up to 99. So we didn't break, didn't <laughs> so, break triple digits, but I think Saturday we did. So yeah. the, the genius of your operation is you've got football fields indoors yes. with air conditioning in Arizona. 45 yards indoors. You, you can run all the routes you need to. So and, and tell us, what's the name of, of the performance facility and, and before we get off, we're going to have you like kind of give us a little bit of how people get in contact with you. But so so people know, what's the name of the of the training facility in the program? Of course. So the name is Own Your Dream Sports Academy, um, OYD Sports for short. But the reason why we named it that is because every day we want kids to go out there and own their dream, no matter what it is. They want to be a doctor, go out there and, and learn from other people that have been doctors. Go study something. All right. Whether you want to be a football player, go out there and, and work on your craft. At the end of the day, there's so many people in this world that want to do things or say they want to do things, but they don't go out there and do it. And so we want kids to come out here and, and own it. Go out there and do everything you can. Give it everything you got. Because that's one thing I credit so much of my success in the sport is my work ethic. Um, I think that's the number one reason why Coach Holiday wanted me at BYU is because he knew that I was going to push every person that was in that receiving room. And, and that's my mindset. Anytime I get on a field or a court, you're going to have to outwork me to beat me. We've put the uh, links to, uh, to your uh, operation on our sites so folks can go there and, and get information on how they can get there and get trained. Yep. Now, you know, our friends Ty and Max are down there. Uh, they, they should be sending you guys left and right. Absolutely, yeah. Coach Holiday actually just got done talking to Ty a few days ago, so I think he's going to come by, check out the facility, so maybe we'll take a little BYU pick and, and post that for the gram. Oh, yeah. So, hey, well, our, our, one of our followers, BYU Sports Addict, said, hey, Jordan, love your take. It's the work ethic that matters. You're absolutely right. And I, I go back to the very beginning of when we started to talk to Jordan tonight, and Dave mentioned that Jordan graduated in electrical engineering. And I've been thinking back, and I've been puzzling and puzzling, and my puzzles are sore now. I can't think of another transfer that's come to BYU ever that's had an undergraduate degree in electrical engineering. That's no joke. That's a real major, Jordan. So that took some work to be able to juggle that while you were in school. How in the world do you juggle an electrical engineering degree and go out and have the performance you had on the field at UTEP? That's crazy. It was definitely tough. It took a lot of, a lot of hours studying, a lot of group study sessions. Um, uh, the main reason I went for it, 
uh, I, I got to UTEP and I, they were telling me, you know, the degrees and I was like, I want to do engineering. And they were like, oh, we don't allow football players to do engineering. It's just too hard. <laughs> so my mindset right there, well, I'm doing it. So we're going to have to live with it. And they were like, okay, once your grades slip, we're taking you out of it. My grades never slipped and I ended up accomplishing my goal. I ended up getting my senior project done in time and was able to transfer to BYU. So it, it was one thing I'll tell you is well, no matter what it is, push yourself. Push yourself to go out there and achieve your goals no matter what anybody says because there's going to be a lot of doubters in this world. We are watching the NBA Finals featuring Miami star Jimmy Butler, one of the greatest basketball players in the world. Years ago, you and your family brought Jimmy into your home and off the streets where he was living and bonded like brothers. What ways has that experience blessed both of your lives? Well, I mean, obviously, you know, from Jimmy's aspect, I, th I think the biggest thing is both of us are pushing each other. Um, we, no matter what it was, we could be walking to the store or walking down the street, we were going to race. If we were playing tic-tac-toe, it was going to come into a full-out brawl because both of us were so competitive in everything we, we did. And you can see it now, um, the way he kind of commands the team, the way he leads them. Uh, you, you know when it's crunch time, he's going to be the one to show up. And that's one thing I, I, I've been more than proud of, but something I expected from him. I know a lot of people are shocked, but that's the last thing I am is shocked of Jimmy performing in the crunch time or performing when, you know, all the lights are on because we, we train for those times. And I know of all people, he's outworking everybody in, in the league. And so when you, when you outwork people, usually you're going to get rewarded. You know, a lot, a lot of people look at the guys, especially, you know, the NBA, it, it seems like a collection of freak athletes. They're just so unbelievably athletic and they discount how hard those guys work because it's a combination of just pure talent and work. Was there a point when you look back, Jordan, when you when you think about Jimmy Butler where you go, yeah, there, there was a point I knew this guy was going to be a big-time NBA star. Um, do you go all the way back, or is it more recently that you, you, you thought that for him? Um, I mean, obviously when we were kids, we kept telling each other, like, hey, I'm going to make it to the NFL, you're going to make it to the NBA. That, that was just our mindset. Every every time we did anything, that's what we told each other. We we knew it was going to happen. And I have all our basketball records at our high school, so I would tell them all the time, hey, you know what, I might make it to the NBA and NFL. But um, I would say the biggest thing that just kind of I knew was his college prep work. Once he finished college, I know he wasn't, I don't think he was projected in the first round. And so his mindset was, hey, I want you to put me, he told his agent, put me in every workout with every top prospect there is because I want to lock them down. And I, and I want to show them that I'm this guy. And I, I knew once he was going to get an opportunity to go against all the top prospects, that hard work that he put in, he, he was going to show them that he was a guy. And I knew once he got drafted, he wasn't getting many minutes that freshman year. And I knew all he was going to do is keep working. And once, so much of this is once you get an opportunity. And he was able to get that opportunity, and he went out there and made the most of it, and he hasn't stopped making the most of it. Game three tomorrow night in Miami between the uh, uh, the Heat and the Nuggets. All right, I know we've got you in between camp sessions, so let's wrap up with five quick questions. Uh, we ask all of our guests these questions, and we remember them, and we write them down for, for all of history. That's right. So uh -oh. we're going to hold you accountable to them. Yep. You ready? So we're, we're going to start with this. And you're, these just, whatever comes to the top of your head, you just think <laughs> quick so we get to know you better. Your favorite sports movie? Ooh, Coach Carter. Ah. Coach remember Carter. the Titans, number two, though. <laughs> I remember the Titans, too. Yeah, remember the Titans. Is, we hear that one, one a lot. I, we've only, I think we had one other Coach Carter. So those are both, really? those are, yeah, those are awesome. I, I love that mindset in that movie and, and how hard he pushed them. That's, honestly, that's Coach Holiday right there for you. He's going to grind you into the ground and make you the best player. There you go. 
Your favorite singer or band? Ooh. Rapper Count J. Cole would be my favorite rapper. There you go. Okay. Favorite breakfast cereal? Ooh. Oh, cinnamon, uh, cinnamon Toast Crunch. Cinnamon Toast Crunch. I, you know what? That may be our most popular one. I think so. I think it is. That's 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 really really popular. It's I do. Really, I, really I like cinnamon life, which is similar, but not quite as sugary. Yeah. So I need the sugar. We respect <laughs> all. Don't listen to that. We yeah. respect Jordan. We'll just so out. you know, we respect all sugar cereals. Yeah. We absolutely do. So we're no respecter of. Uh, uh, yeah. When they when somebody comes in here, like uh, when Kyle Van Noy comes in here and says they feed their children protein, protein shakes, shakes, we like we shut it down. Right we're then. like Kyle, come we on, cut that out. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> so so your favorite BYU moment. And it doesn't have to be on the football field. It could be anything that happened at BYU that stands out to you. Like, yeah, that's that's my favorite thing at BYU. Favorite moment is going to be the, the UT locker room just after the game. Obviously, just being an amazing moment. But one of my other favorite moments that doesn't get talked about enough is the BYU challenge we did where we had to swim a mile, hike, or sorry, bike six miles, and then hike like six and a half miles. Each person had to do it. It was, it was rough, but... When you when you finish, you just felt fulfilled, and it was probably the hardest thing I've ever done in my life. But it showed me how far I could push my body. The BYU challenge. Yeah, I, I, there were, at one time I think Bronco called the Eco Challenge. We used to go support the guys when they were doing it, and I would just think, man, you got to be mentally tough. And it was really about men, being mental, mentally tough because you couldn't go train for it. You, you, you just had to go do it. And I'm like, man, these this is a bunch of tough dudes. So I All remember right. it well. The BYU challenge. Yeah. How about? How about the favorite piece of advice that, that anybody has ever given you that you would pass along to others? Oh, um, there's always someone out, out there outworking you. So keep working, honestly. That, that's what I pictured in my mind anytime I worked out. If I told myself I was going to go run 10 stadiums and I got to eight, I would picture someone else out there outworking. And, and that was my mindset. If, if someone out there could do more than me, I got to up my up it up. And I got to pick up my game and, and go out there and beat that person because there's always going to be somebody that's more gifted than you. But my demeanor was, hey, if I'm the hardest worker, I'll be able to catch him. So that would be my biggest thing. Hey, which home game are you coming up to this fall? Ooh, I'm at the I'm at the double check the you, schedule. Uh, we're, we're trying to get everything squared away with here. I'm getting married next year, so I'm trying oh, to get are? everything in place so that next year I can get married and take two weeks. Ah, off. there you go. Listen, uh, when you let us know if you're coming up, and we'll uh, we'll would love to have you pop on game day with us before the during our two-hour pregame show on BYU TV. So we'd love oh, to have you in sure. as a guest. But just let us know, you know, give us some heads up. Uh, don't pop okay. in like five minutes before the show. Right. Hey, I'm uh, here. A <laughs> couple weeks out, season out, say, hey, I'll be there for the Oklahoma game, Iowa State game yeah. or whatever, and let us know, and then we'll work that out. We'd love to have you on. We're so proud of uh, how you represent uh, the Y and, and your experience up here. We're, we're grateful that it was good and that it's helped propel you to your – to your own business down there in Arizona. Please say hi to Coach Holiday for us, and uh, we'll see you soon. Yeah, and, we're, and hey, we're going to remind everybody too, Jordan, that they can read all about you in the Deseret News at Deseret.com. D- Dave wrote a beautiful article about Jordan this week, so we're going to tell everybody to, to get to Deseretnews.com and, or Deseret.com and read that, that great article on Jordan. Everyone, definitely go read that article. They did a great job. <laughs> and I'll tell Coach Holiday. Hi, he's actually yelling at somebody right now. So, uh, there he is. Yeah. Same old guy. OYDsports.com for anybody that's, that's interested and wants to just check it out, OYDsports.com. Um, we're here to help anybody. We need to get some more BYU Cougar fans in here. Yeah, and what we need you to do is send us some six foot six guys that run yeah, we the need, 40 we, yeah, and Yeah, we need three. some six, six tight ends and a couple of six, seven 
offensive tackles, and then send us a, a bunch of skill guys too. Yeah, so send them up. We you? got some great athletes. We're adding some more. So fine, fantastic. Thanks so much for for joining us, Jordan. We appreciate it, and we're excited about all the things you got going. Of course, thank you all again for having me. The great Jordan Leslie, and I see that number nine up there on yep. the wall behind him. And um, you know, when you think about, and we talked about it before the interview. Um, grad transfers and the challenge they have and and he pointed out in this article and again tonight um that uh you walk in you want to be a starter you walk into the room and and no one knows a thing about you and it can rub guys wrong and and it's and it all of a sudden it can cause a ripple in the receiver room but guy holiday said in that article uh that uh, he needed jordan to come help change the culture wanted wanted guys to play tougher yeah and he knew that that he had that and um, and, and Mitch Matthews and Christian Stewart uh, all said the same kind of things that he brought that. And Christian Stewart, who threw for a bazillion yards, um, I talked to him the other night, and he said that um, he said that they had no expectations for Jordan as a receiver coming from UTEP. Big whoop. Yeah, exactly. But then when he showed up and they saw him run routes and physically catch the ball and it was smart, and, and all of a sudden they go, we got somebody. And, and he delivered all season. Well, and I think when, whenever you're a transfer, whether you're transferring in as a sophomore, BYU's got several of those with three years left of eligibility. Um, and, and we mentioned the grad transfers. I, I think grad transfer number one is Keaton Slovis because he's got to be in a leadership role at that yeah. quarterback position. Uh, but Jordan Leslie, and you mentioned in your article, like he kind of set the tone for what, how you do it. You come in, and the first thing you do is you establish that you're there to work that you've got the work ethic and that nobody's going to outwork you. You're going to set the tone. And, you know, everything we're hearing about um, these grad transfers that come in, Keaton Slovis and Aiden Robbins and, and, and Eddie Heckard, is exactly that. Man, these guys came in. They didn't act like anybody had to give them anything, and they just yeah. started working like crazy and setting the tone in each of the respected uh, position groups and rooms. That's how you do it. And, and Jordan set set that in place. He set the blueprint for that's what you do. And I think probably three days in, and you can tell when you talk to Jordan that this is a guy that's not going to get outworked, that he just set the tone right away. And and it's really easy to accept somebody that comes in and their mentality is, I don't expect you to give me anything. I will work for everything I get here. And, and pretty soon you win everybody over. That's what Jordan did. And then he was really productive on the field. And that's hopefully what Keaton Slovis and Aiden Robbins and Eddie Heckard and all these guys do. And we watched all those guys in spring ball. Uh, Robbins was out because of a uh, he had surgery on his thumb, but he was still at practice. And we didn't get the sense from any of those guys that the, the prima donnas were here, but that it was just going to be, we're going to work our way in. We think we're the best, but we're going to prove it to you on the practice field. And then if that's the case, everyone wants the best in the game. That's right. You, and you know what? Then, then it doesn't, you know, there are some politics that are played. You know, Jordan mentioned sometimes you got to be in the right place at the right time, and you're you're at a team where uh, your position coach isn't the guy that that wanted to draft you or sign you, and you're working up against that. Hey, Kyle Van Noy told us in his first first stint with Detroit, the co- his position coach didn't really want him, and then when, then when he got to New England, he was in a position where the, where the coach loved him, and so there are some politics that are played, but with your teammates. You want to squelch any thought that you're getting favoritism. And I know Jordan, when he's coming in, guys are going, oh, man, Guy Holiday was his coach at UTEP. And so, and now he's his coach here. Oh, he's going to get every yeah. advantage. 
And, and you know what? Again, three days into it, everybody's going, oh, no. This has nothing to do with Guy Holiday. This guy can just flat out play, and look yeah. how hard he's working. And so you get all that out of everybody's mind, and then they want you on the field. They want you on the field. It adds to the drama of, like, the, the, the Sam Houston opener. Is Aiden Robbins going to take it over right tackle and go 70 yards? And we can see his speed and power and all that. He just might. But you got to watch to find out. And that's the intrigue of these guys. Can Keaton Slovis really run this offense, stay healthy, and get the ball to the playmakers? If he does, BYU's going to score a lot of points this year and win a lot of games. And therein lies the drama of some of these grad transfers who we know were good where they were. Now they are here. Can, if, is Eddie Heckard a lockdown corner? And if so, what does that mean for the rest of the defense? Can, can you play a bunch of man and blitz like crazy because yeah. you got these transfer corners that are going to play great? And, and you, do, you have some guys, come, some dudes coming back too. I feel like the transfer portal, um, I think BYU did really well. In fact, you and I were talking earlier today when we were together for lunch about um, the, the fact that BYU in all of the kind of rating services of how people fared in the transfer portal has been consistently in top 20 in the country for their gains in the transfer portal versus losses. Uh, and I would agree with that. I think BYU is going to be much better than people think because I do think guys like Keaton Slovis and Aiden Robbins and Eddie Heckard are going to have a major impact for BYU this fall. Shout out to Mike in San Antonio. I served my mission in San Antonio many moons ago. Uh, Mike is watching. The, the coolest thing about San Antonio, and I saw this when I landed, and it could have been a foreign country. I'd never been there before, so it was foreign to me, uh, was on all the tall buildings. They got flags flying on the top of them. And the Texas flag is the same size, at the same height, if not higher, than the United States flag. It's the only state in the country where that's allowed. Because Texas thinks they're their own country still, don't <laughs> they, they? They do. Everything's they do. bigger in Texas. I had my first fajita in San Antonio. So anyway, Mike, thank you for yeah, San, watching San, the wine. San Antonio, that, the whole, that whole river walk area yeah. of San Antonio is really cool. Hey, how about this guest lineup for the rest of the month? Fessy Sataki, the receivers coach, will be here next week. We're going to break down all the guys, especially the new ones that he's brought in. Uh, Harvey Unga on June 20th. Sherry Dew. Author, executive VP of Deseret Management Corporation, the CEO of Deseret Book, big time BYU fan. She's going to be here on June 27th. We're also working on athletic director Tom Homo. This will be the show before the official BYU to the Big 12 celebration right. On, right. on July 1st. So we got it, we, and then, we got who you want. And we got some fun stuff coming for you on July 1st as well So yeah. uh, that we'll, we'll announce uh, later on. Um, Let's dive into some football, shall we? Yeah. What, and, and by the way, um, our roll call is going to continue tonight. So if you want us to mention you and where you're watching us or listening, uh, just just let us know in the feed there in the in the live stream, and we'll we'll try to get to everybody, uh, or at least a lot of folks. So thank you. Yeah. And, and as we get into football, um, you know, we had Jordan come in. We we hadn't really gotten in. We talked about the schedule. The start start to the schedule. We talked about this last week, but um, we but did, remember they weren't um, they weren't announced. That's right, and so so now we know where these games are going to be, um, meaning what time they're going to be and what channel you can find them on. So so should we go through that? Yeah, let's do it. So these are the first four that have been announced, and and the Kansas game was skipped over. Uh, we're waiting on the yeah, TV day details for that. for that one, but just so we're calendaring and we can talk about this because it's exciting now that we have a a date, a time, and a station, uh, it just makes it all the more 
real. Yeah, so we start with Sam Houston. Um, that game at BYU in the opener in the Big 12 era. First game in the Big 12 era. Um, Saturday, September 2nd. That'll be at 8.15 Mountain Time. It's going to be on Fox Sports 1. That actually surprised me. Yeah. I thought Sam Houston might be an ESPN Plus game. Right. So, no. So, it's, it's going to be on National Network, Fox Sports 1. And we'll remind you that, that BYU Sports Nation game day starts at 6 p.m. that night. We're going to have a two-hour pregame show for every BYU game for you live on BYU TV this year. And it's going to be super cool because, you know, we're in the Big 12 now. We've got a lot of opponents to explore. Right. A lot of folks to get to know. And, uh, and we also... We'll invite their fan bases to check it out as well. It's right. leading up to the game. Their team's in, team is in, too, and they don't have a two-hour pregame show. Right. So and we we're, have and a we're chance gonna, to yeah, do a Yeah, we're going to dedicate some time and resources every week. Can you have a to, jet? Can we have a jet fly over for an 8-15 start? We need I think to call, the Utah game was we need to call Clark. at 8-15. We need to call our— Should we call Clark on the air? <laughs> Remember, we, we kind of got in trouble when we announced the Jets last time. Yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> so we'll have to be we'll have to be careful about that. But uh, eight fifteen, you know, eight, eight o'clock, you can fly jets over. I think that's dusk. Uh, but the following week, Southern Utah at BYU, that's definitely a jet Saturday if you're looking to yeah, use oh, times. For sure. At one o'clock in the afternoon, that's old school. That's when you played all your games. Uh, and this one's on ESPN Plus uh, and BYU Game Day starting at eleven a.m. Mountain Time on BYU TV. That's Saturday, September 9th. And then we go to the game where a lot of folks think this is going to be where we find out what we really have. I think they're going to win this game. I do, too. I think they're going to go on the road and win at Arkansas on Saturday, September 16th. It's, it's at 5.30 p.m. Mountain Time. So 7.30 prime yep, time. 7.30 prime time. This is on ESPN, too. Yeah. So, so uh one, I, there, it's really two motherships at ESPN. It's ESPN and ESPN, too, where right. they have the big viewership. Um, game day will start at three thirty Mountain Time on BYU TV, and every you know every pundit that I've looked at them breaking down the schedule has them losing that game on the road at Arkansas. I just don't think that's going to be the case. I think they start three and zero. I think they have a great shot at doing that. Um, you think back to last year, Arkansas put up a bazillion yards and a bunch of points. Had BYU limited the turnovers. Um, it would have been whoever had the ball last, right? It wasn't a great defensive day for either squad. Uh, Hall with his banged up shoulder through for, you know, a couple of miles. Puka Nakua had a big game. But BYU went through a string of, of three turnovers. Arkansas turned into points. Right. And you lose by, I think it was 20. You lose by the three turnovers. You eliminate those, and now you're in a shootout. And you know what? In a shootout, you got a 50-50 shot. Yeah, in big games, you got to play clean, and, and you, got, you don't have to execute. So... Hey, I, you know, we've been, we've been uh, shouting out to people. I just want to say to WebSurfer7787, he says he's driving home and he's watching this on Twitch. How do you watch while you're driving? He's pro- Let's hope you're in the passenger seat. Yeah. Hope- Spencer, by the way, from um, Laredo, Texas, is watching. I've, I've had lunch in Laredo right there on the border. Yeah. Spencer, thank you. Do, Good do, to have you here. Do you think WebSurfer7787 has one of those, like, <laughs> magnet things where you put right in the middle of your steering wheel and you can watch and drive at the same time. Whatever it is, I hope it keeps him in his lane. What we're going to say is, web surfer, be safe out there. <laughs> be safe out there. That's great. What we've had, we're all over the world tonight. It's fantastic. Right. It's really cool. Uh, Cincinnati was also another game uh, that was announced on television. Uh, that's going to be Friday night. That's general conference weekend, September 29th, 815. Again, 
That's a perfect time of day. Great. That for, time of year. Yeah. For that time of year. And it's on the mothership ESPN. That's right. And, of course, game day is going to start at 6 o'clock Mountain on BYU TV. That will be a great night. And, uh, you know, BYU has some history with Cincinnati. And uh, not in, big, in the Big 12 one since, you know, went, you know back a couple years ago. Um, they had a home-and-home home, uh, with Cincinnati, so there's a little bit of history there. And it's two upstart new programs. Cincinnati's had a lot of success in recent years. Been right up there in the top ten, been in the, you know. Playoff. Playoff. And, and so it's two teams coming into this game with a chip on their shoulder going, who's the best addition to the Big 12? Is it Cincinnati or is it, is it BYU? That's, that's going to be the argument. I think Central Florida would say, wait a minute. We, we won an unofficial national championship a few years ago because they didn't put us in the playoff when we were undefeated. But but I think really coming in, everybody's asking, who's going to be a, a competitive faster, Cincinnati or BYU? So that's a big game. Live post-game shows will follow every game on BYU TV. So the two-hour pregame and the post-game show. And the post-game show usually goes for as long as we feel like which is good. After big wins, it seems like half the team comes out and does interviews with us. But it's fan access before and after, and uh, that's going to continue and be bigger and better as we move into the Big 12. An interesting note, on a lot of these games, and it'll affect travel, especially for folks who drive in uh, from California and Arizona, Idaho, um, and and like to make plans. Plans are going to have to be pretty loose uh, in the Big 12. So their TV times and broadcast uh, info could be announced anywhere between 6 and 12 days out. And I think that's going to be the, the the norm. So you might not know what time Oklahoma is until Sunday before the Oklahoma game. And, and the TV partners, they paid a lot of, a lot of money yeah. for this package. Um, Yormark did a tremendous job in negotiating this package. And you see what it's done. He was so ahead of the curve. Um, that, that now the Pac-12 and the ACC, they, they're just having a hard time even coming close to what, what the Big 12 was able to secure. But part of that was the flexibility that you are Mark negotiated in the contract. He's like, listen, we're going to allow you, our network partners, to pick games on shorter notice so that you can have the best games yeah. on your network on any given week. They, what they don't want is the, the networks, they don't want to have TCU be a national title contender but picked in the middle of the pack in the league before the season and not have them in prime time. If, if TCU's on a run again and they're 10-0, and 0, they want to be able to pick them the next week and the week after because it's of national interest. And so Yormark rec- recognized that. I'm certain he got more money by being flexible. Yeah. But for the fans, we're going to have to be flexible too. All right. Now, Spencer, by the way, is saying that he's going to be at the TCU game. There you go, Spencer McMillan. Um, from La- driving up from Laredo to uh, says they're going to make Worth. the stadium blue and not purple. That happened in the old days. And Doctor yeah. Ketch asks, um, he says, "Hey guys, I'm curious. Are going to try to do some interviews and stuff with other teams in the Big 12? Seems like a chance to spread the good BYU word in lots of places. We're so happy to have these amazing foes and friends. And the answer to that is uh, absolutely. And we talked about that a little bit. We'll do feature pieces on the opponent. We'll we'll interview folks from the opposing school." Especially at home games, we can bring them on set. Um, so the plan is absolutely... And on this show. We're going to expose BYU's fans to the rest of the Big 12. And we're going to expose the rest of the Big 12's fans to how we do it at BYU. And we'll we'll have them on game day shows. We're going to have them on Wise Guys. We'll bring guests in from around the Big 12. Mm-hmm. Hey, there's some method to the madness. When you look at these walls behind us with all the Big 12 um, logos up there... Um, th- this show is going to expand and 
and bring all of you out there a lot more around the Big 12 and, and, and allow you guys to know more about the, the competition in the league and the teams that they'll be facing. Hey, keep those locations coming. It's fun to see uh, uh, Cougar Nation uh, checking this out. And of course, our podcast will be up tomorrow and available for everybody. Uh, linebacker Harrison Taggart announced on social media that he's transferring from Oregon to BYU, 6'2", 216 pounds. He'll have four years of eligibility. A four-star linebacker coming out of Corner Canyon High School. BYU wasn't on the list when he came right. out. Uh, played in three games, just a few plays last year with the Ducks. So what does Harrison Taggart bring to the linebacker room? He's, he's a linebacker with great range. So he's, he's the kind of guy that if you're playing an aggressive defense and you need a guy that can be physical and play downhill, but also can peel off and pick up a running back out of the backfield or a slot receiver and run with them, this is what you get in Harrison Taggart, a really athletic, um, very skilled backer. And that's why he was a four-star guy coming out. He's, he was one of the top recruits in the state of Utah, not just one of the top backers, one of the top overall recruits, period, coming out of the state of Utah. And signs with Oregon, who always signs you know, four-star guys across the board. So this is a really nice addition. And it's not like he wasn't having some impact. He played as a freshman yeah. at Oregon. It'll be interesting. Two sixteen. It seems like uh, Justin and I will want to put a few pounds on. Yeah, him. he'll 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 two sixteen is fine for a youngin, you know. And and you think about it, the Kafusis, the cousins, they're a little light right now too, but they're going to grow into those positions. And I won't be surprised if Taggart's not two twenty to two twenty five by by the season, and and uh, that's plenty to play on the outside. So in the linebacker room right now, you got Taggart, you have Ben Bywater, Max Tooley. A.J. Vongpachang, Isaiah Glasker, Ace Kafusi, Chaz Ayu. Am I missing anybody? Uh, that That's kind that's of pretty a, that's a pretty star-studded group right there yeah. that, that you're talking about. <clears throat> and so. if Chaz can be healthy, which he's struggled with. And, 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 and one that you didn't mention that's moved down to linebacker um, from safety is Hanneman. Right. So And, and he'll have a big impact because he's a very – um, a football player with a lot of instincts that really plays um, uh, to the football and runs the ball really, really well. He's put on some weight, and he'll be in that linebacker room as well. So now the linebacker room is too deep. Remember when the summer started, there was no Von Pichang, there was no Taggart, there was Bywater and Thule, Glasker with potential, and then it was, okay, Got to find some guys. Right. Well, they found some guys. And they and these are guys that come in with experience. Von Kuchang, a grad student, grad transfer, right? Yeah. So he's uh, over leading tackler. Over 100 Utah tackles. State. Like, their best defender. And then Taggart uh, with, with potential, too. So suddenly, yeah. you can you know what you can do? You can spell guys. Yeah. It, and it's not, not have just a drop all bywater. And you want to be able to do that and not have a drop-off. And, you know, it's... Depth is really important when you're playing 10 straight P5 games. You've got to have it. We should mention... Uh, Harrison's sister, Madeline, is also transferring from Oregon and will compete with BYU's track and field in sprints and hurdles. And track and field's already a top 20 program. They just got better with, uh, with Madeline Taggart coming in. Uh, earlier today, and this is the time of year when all this preseason stuff pops up, and uh, Lindy's put out their all-Big 12 uh, honors for preseason and and they picked the, they picked were much the kinder to the yeah. Cougars and then that who was it Athlon last week they had we're like worst in the league they yeah. they had him finishing last and not a lot of players finishing like first second team but but here they come right out of the gate with a first teamer with with the offensive line yeah and the, and by the way they they picked them to finish tenth 
ahead of Iowa State, Houston, Cincinnati, and West Virginia. So that's not too. That's you know what? And when they say tenth, I had to go what tenth, and then I go okay, wait, there's fourteen. Yeah, because Oklahoma, Texas are still in the league. Yeah, and uh, there's tenth. Tenth is you know we think they'll do better than tenth, um, but when you look at uh, Iowa State, Houston, Cincinnati, West Virginia, they also think they're going to do better than tenth. It's going to be a very competitive group. So they obviously have Central Florida ahead of them. Yeah, I don't think that's going to happen. No, and um, yeah, and I, I wouldn't. You know, when BYU and Baylor last played, BYU looked pretty good against yeah, Baylor. And it, like, yeah, I I won't be surprised if BYU's more in the middle of that league yeah. this next year. Um, Kingsley, as you mentioned, first team also listed at number two as the top ten NFL talent. How about um, that? And yeah. the Big Twelve, they list their top ten NFL guys, and Kingsley's number two. Well, there's all kinds of talk about him being a first round draft pick, and yeah. uh, he's. That you would know, be the third straight line. Conversations that I've had with Aaron Roderick around uh, Kingsley, um, he just can't say enough. He says he just, you know, we talked about with Jordan Leslie, there's some freaks in the NBA, like just freakish athletes, right? Kingsley's a freakish athlete. Like he's, even amongst NFL guys, his size and his strength combined with a kind of athleticism and speed, he runs around like a little guy and he's huge. And he's strong and he's powerful. So the the potential for Kingsley is just off the charts. He if he keeps working the way he, he, he can work and keeps getting better, he has a chance to be a starting left tackle in the National Football League for a long, long time. And Aiden Robbins knows he can run behind the mountain of a man that Kingsley is. And Robbins is six two, six three, two thirty. Uh, he's a mountain of a man himself. Yes. You know? Oh, yeah. And that, Absolutely. That that just bodes well. Um, and also, I think it's interesting. We talk about how can BYU compete in in the NIL world, in the transfer portal world. Uh, they can compete by having a portal to the NFL. Right. They That's have the most competitive important thing. NIL, but the transfer portal to the NFL is number one. And and Kingsley would be the third straight offensive lineman to go into the NFL. Never mind the third straight quarterback if Slovis gets in or the third straight running back if, uh, or, or close to it if, um, uh, if, if Robbins, and Robbins still has a couple of years to play, but BYU's putting guys in the NFL over and over and over, and that is what will make them competitive in the Big 12. That's Guys want to know that that's the pathway in. Yeah. And, and, and they're not just in the league. BYU's group of guys in the league are very visible, high-level players. Brady Christensen starts, you know. We talk about offensive linemen. And, and Blake Freeland, Blake Freeland right now is, is practicing with the starting unit because yeah. the guy in front of him is hurt. And, and Blake has a chance to be a, a star in that league. And the Colts. Because he's also a freakish, long, and athletic guy. Kingsley has a chance to be a star. You start doing that um, and producing NFL talent, especially at left tackle, Right. That's the, that's the highest-paid position on the offensive line. Um, we, we haven't had a bunch of first-round draft pick tackles since the John Tate days, right? Yeah. So it would be pretty fun. If when, you're, when you have an NFL portal, you can compete. All right, on the second team, all Big 12 for Lindy. Speaking of Aiden Robbins, he's right there. So second-team running back in the Big 12 is BYU's guy. Connor Pay, the center, who could also go to the NFL after this season, uh, second team. And then you get under the third team, we see Tyler Batty at defensive end. Right. And then you've got Eddie Heckard as, as a third-team DB. That's respect. He transfer, transfers from an FCS school, but has enough um, 
on film over these years and is highly regarded enough that he's third-team all-conference as a transfer from an FCS school. And then Ryan Rico, the punter. Shout-out to Rico. Rico's an NFL leg. Yeah. Like, that's another guy that could be in the he, NFL. He's not in the national stats because he doesn't punt enough. Well, all, all the guys on this preseason list are all NFL potential guys. Yeah. They stay healthy and continue to get better. And, and I would say, when you're wondering about how's BYU going to be on offense, and you look and you go, well, Kingsley's the, maybe the second best player in the league in terms of NFL draft prospects, right, at left tackle. Connor Pay's an NFL guy at center. Eddie Ean is a potential NFL guy at the other tackle. Uh, Paul Miley, who transferred down from Utah, is a three-year starter at Utah, a potential NFL guy. BYU's got a whole offensive line full of potential NFL guys. That's when they're good. That's how. That's when you can get a yard when you need when a yard. When it's third and one, and you put Aiden Robbins behind that group? Get a yard. You should be able to move the chains. That's what I'm saying. So BYU Sports Addict was asking about NIL deals and, and how BYU's doing it. Um, go to wiseguys.com, wiseguys.com, and look up the Mark Comer interview from the um, from the, the collective. Right. Um, and, and, and watch that interview. That'll answer your question. And, yeah. and we had Mark for about 40 minutes explaining yeah. how it works. And so um, do that. And, and then if you're still wondering, next week we'll answer yeah. that question. And, and, they, and they are selling a lot of things that we're talking about. They're also selling long-term... Um, connections and networking and helping these guys start businesses and what they're trying to do is say don't just go to Tennessee because they're going to pay you 200,000 which they may or, you know even if they're going to do that BYU may not pay you 200 grand but BYU is going to show you how to make a living for the rest of your life and they're going to network you for the rest of your life and that's what they're selling to these kids they're going to give them mentoring programs and help them start businesses and do all of that to me you sell that to parents. And we just talked to, to Gennaro Guilford about that because he, he weighed in on that a little bit in our interview with Gennaro last week as well. Yeah. So you could also go listen to the Gennaro interview about what angle he's taking in recruiting the parents of these kids. And he talks about that a little bit as well back on our, on our archives. So. With, the, uh, with the TV times out, the bowls were announced, uh, the dates for the bowl games. And so here, here's the Big 12 bowl tie-ins. Um, now that we know what day they're going to be and who they're going to be against as far as conferences go. And then we're going to talk about money here in a minute. Yeah. Money rules the day if you're a golfer and also if you're a, a, a member of a conference like the Big 12. That's right. It's not so much the Pac-12 right now, but it's it's the money leagues. And we'll talk about that. But the uh, let's roll down the, the list for Big 12 bowl games. Of course, champion goes to the New Year's Six. Right. Might go to the college football playoff, and then the runner-up could go to the University. Right, because last year TCU was the champ, and yeah. they were in the they were in yeah, the national championship. championship. You know, they, in fact, yeah, they were in the final four, um, and and then made it into the championship game and lost because everybody loses in that game to Georgia. Yeah, they were just destroyed, just destroyed. Uh, Alamo Bowl is going to be against the Pac-12 on December twenty-eighth in San Antonio. And I'm, I'm disappointed to say that the Cheez-It Bowl, which <laughs> knew, is one of my favorites. I knew you would be. Well, because they let you stay at that Cheez-It room at the hotel there. Yeah. So that, that is no longer the Cheez-It Bowl. It is now the Pop-Tarts Bowl. And see, I like, I like the Pop-Tarts Bowl. So it's the Pop-Tarts Bowl. It's on December 28th and is against the ACC. So the ACC. Who's in the ACC? Clemson. Florida North State. Carolina. Florida State. Yep. Uh, the Texas Bowl is against the Southeastern Conference. That's December 27th. Um, is that in the Cotton Bowl? The, the Texas uh, Bowl? 
The Alamo Bowl is in San Antonio. Or is it, is it SMU's new stadium? It could be that, or it could be in Jerry Jones. It could be in Cowboys yeah, I Stadium. Can't, I can't remember which stadium that is. There's we'll a bunch of great stadiums down in the, in the Dallas-Fort Worth area. The Liberty Bowl um, against the SEC is on December 29th, and that has a bowl tie-in as well. The guaranteed rate is against the Big Ten. That's on December 26th. The Independence Bowl. I know people are going to be like, no, we don't want to go back to Shreveport. But the Independence Bowl is December 16th, and now that's uh, you know two, two P5s because it's against the Pac-12 on December 16th. And then the first, uh, yeah, and then the what? The armed forces and the first responders, those are secondary bowls. Those are bowls where if the current t- leagues can't fill that the Big 12 has an option to send a team there, armed forces bowl December 23rd. First responder is December 26th. The bowls BYU wants to be in, one, they want to just be bowl eligible. We've already established that. That's the goal going into this first year. But if you can get up to the Liberty, Texas, Pop-Tarts, not only are you playing uh, a really good opponent, um, you're getting some serious money. Yeah, and it's it's all P5 versus P5. It's Big 12 versus the Pac-12, the Big 10, the SEC, the ACC. So that's kind of fun stuff. And by the way, Spencer McMillan says Pop-Tarts are greater than Cheez-Its. You know what? I think he's probably right. I don't, I don't, I don't I, like the Cheez-Its. I don't know about that. I'm not quite, I'm not quite sure. And your fingers are all orange. You might as well be eating Cheetos. Yeah, this is, this is, that goes right. Like the argument we were, not an argument, but discussion last week, Ginger or Marianne. And now, and now we're like Pop-Tarts or, or Cheez-Its. All the classic arguments <laughs> are coming up on this show. Hey, uh, Commissioner Brett Yormark with the Big 12 announced that the league's going to distribute a record $440 million to its membership. That's about $44 million per school. How much does BYU get of that? Nothing. That's not our, we're not in there yet. Yeah, not yet. Uh, BYU's going to get, over the next two years, in each of the next two years, close to $20 million bucks in each of them. And then they get a full share once the new media deal kicks in in the fall of 2025. And when that kicks in, the Big 12 believes that number is going to approach about $50 million annually for the members of the league. $50 million. When you're operating on a budget of, say, $12 million maybe from ESPN, you're going to go from 12 to 50 right. annually. That's more money than, uh, than they talked about previously. And, and it makes you wonder over there at the Pac-12 when they're trying to just get a TV deal together, it's going to be nowhere near $50 million. Yeah. And, and interestingly, at the, at the Big 12 meetings on Friday, your mark announced that, hey, the conference does have an expansion plan. So uh, to quote him, he said, we have an appetite to be a national conference, meaning, hey, we want to go to the West Coast. We'll go back to the East Coast. This can be a national conference. And, you know, there's been all these rumors about UConn possibly coming into the league. There's been Arizona and Colorado talk a lot this week. There's been San Diego State talk. There's even been some Gonzaga basketball-only talk. Yeah. And and he didn't deny any of that. No, and Brett McMurphy uh, reported today that UConn has the approval of the Big 12 basketball coaches, which would include Mark Pope if he's talked to all of them, uh, that the basketball coaches have said, yeah, we do want UConn. And UConn would come in as a full, you know, they, come, they have a football team. It's not very good, right. but they have a football team. So they'd come in with all sports. They're in so much debt right now in their own world. This, this would obviously be like, oh, please, this would be awesome for us. But they got an exit fee they'd have to pay to get out of the Big East. So they got some hurdles. But the report late today was McMurphy saying, 
Hey, the Big 12 coaches say, yeah, bring UConn in. Yeah. Well, elite elite basketball program, right? Yeah. One of the top three in the country. So, so something's going to shake down. I still think Colorado's going to be in the Big 12. Yep. And I think Arizona's going to join them. And I do not think Utah's going to get to the Big 12. Do you think San Diego State's going to be in the Big 12? I, I, I have a feeling that that probably when, it's all, when it all shakes out, if they go to four... I think San Diego State will be one of them. Now everyone's going, no, we've only heard them going to the Pac-12. No, but you and I have heard them going to the Big 12. Right. And, and I love San Diego State because I think that that's a – they've been a good partner um, in leagues in the past and even through independence for BYU. And they've, been, they've been a willing you yeah. know, team to schedule them. Um, they've got a solid football program. They've been in the top 20 multiple times over the last four or five years. And their basketball program is a – as a top 10 program. And we have a relationship with them. You know, their fans pop off from time to time, but that's what rivals do. That's right. We, we, we have a relationship with San Diego State that uh, is healthy and fun, and, I, and they're good. Yeah, yeah. They're not great in football, but you know what? Backside of the Big 12, they fit right in. Yeah. You know, you, not everyone's great in football. Right. They're not they're not Oklahoma or Texas, but no. they're they're as good as the middle of that league's been in the last couple of years and and they have coaches that are um, that are national names and people know. You know, it was Steve Fisher, but now Dutch Dutch just made a name for himself this last year, right? Yep. By making yep. it to the to the national championship uh, contest and then um, you know, they Brady Hoke has been their their football coach. So they they have some national recognition, but the big thing for your mark is, hey, we want to be a national conference. They want SoCal that's why I think that's a possibility. Yeah. We'll, we'll see how it all, how it all comes out. I agree with you on that. Let's look at some key dates as we get closer to them with every passing show. July 1st is going to be a fun day, uh, especially here in, in Utah County, but fun for BYU fans around the world. We've got a big party uh, on July 1st. That's the day BYU is officially invited to the Big 12 Conference. So from 3 to 5 on BYU TV, we'll be live at the uh, practice fields outside the Student Athletic Building. Everyone can come in, hang out with coaches and players, and there'll be activities. Uh, it's going to be an afternoon party to celebrate life in the Big, tw- Big 12 on BYU TV. Yeah, and, and here, if, so if you're close by and can come, absolutely come. It's just a giant party. Um, I think back to the, like the party we had on Friday night before the Arizona game in Las Vegas, right? Where everybody came out to North Las Vegas. Like eight thousand people. Eight thousand people came out to the park, and we had a blast. And we did a lot. We originated a live show from that, and it was really fun. And so uh, we're going to be out there um, from three to five. We'll be with the, our game yeah, day and, set, and, and the party is actually from three to six. Yeah. So the show is going to be from three to five, and then uh, so come be part of the show. Uh, hang out with 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 everybody for the Big Twelve party, and then then we can hang out with you for that last hour. But you got to go, right? Because then you can meander over to the stadium for a Stadium of Fire, uh, which has nothing to do with BYU being invited to the Big Twelve, but it just feels right that it's on the same day. I, hey, I'll and I'll journey stay, is I'll stay be and hang band. out with you from five to six, and so we'll. Nixon and Brian Logan yeah. and Jerem spent all the whole gang will stay and hang out with you, but Dave can't. I'll be over there getting he's ready. He's got to go MC the Stadium of Fire, and then we'll all walk over and watch Dave and Journey in the Stadium of Fire. It's gonna be it's gonna be the, uh, the one of the greatest days. St- now, it's gonna Fire's be super eight, hot, right? Eight yeah. o'clock. Yeah. yeah. So there's time for everybody to kind of get in and out. Um, but what a fun show! We'll 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 roll it open. We'll all be there on our game day set, which you see in front of the stadium. That's gonna be over on the practice fields and so there'll be brian logan who will be here next week with us 
um, David Nixon, Blaine, and we'll have Jerem and Spencer out doing interviews. Uh, and we're, we're, it's just going to be fun. It's going to be a celebration of life, a celebration of BYU and the Big 12. That's coming up July 1st. We'll keep you... Uh, we'll get you more details as we get closer. Yep. Hey, in July 12th through 13th is Big 12 Media Day. Media Day is down in Arlington, Texas. So well, you'll be able to, multiple media outlets will be down there. You'll be able to kind of tune in and, and you'll see things on the news, local news and national news. What would be interesting to see where the coaches vote BYU right. in the poll? Yeah, and I know I'm, I'm not going down to that one, but you're going to be down there doing a bunch of interviews. So you'll be, you'll be part of that. And then we're going to find out what, the other, what everyone thinks right. about BYU coming in. Yeah. Um, what do you think they're going to be ranked by, by the coaches poll? You think around ninth, tenth, ninth or tenth? Yeah. 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 I think you're right. So, um, NFL training camp start July 18th, and that means Hall, Nakua, Freeland, and all the free agent signees will be uh, showing up for work there. Uh, after further review, is seven weeks from tonight. Right. That's how fast summer can go. Tenth, tenth season kicks off. Seven weeks from tonight. Uh, we got our first little uh, scheduling reminder from Alana at BYU TV saying, hey, on this day, you have to be here this time for after further review. And I looked at that and I go, uh, hey, summer's it, over. When, once, we get the, <laughs> once we get the email that we have to be someplace. It's just, uh, it's going to be awesome. That crew show, call a message, then we know it's real. And that show is going to be better than ever this year. Uh, August 3rd, the Jets and the Browns, the first NFL Hall of Fame game. That's the first preseason game. That's just in 58 days from us speaking here tonight. And then it's, and then it's on football until the Super Bowl. Yep. And, you know, that, that game, the Jets and the Browns, keep in mind, last year we wouldn't expect Zach Wilson to play much in that game because he was the starter. But now he's the backup to Aaron Rodgers. So you'll probably see a bunch of Zach Wilson and you'll probably see a bunch of Sione Takitaki. Camps are going on right now this right. week. Um, I read a little bit about Rodgers today. Um, you know, he's tweaked his knee or whatever, so he's been held out but still throwing on the side and, and allowing Zach and some of the other guys. And then Taysom's back in um, uh, later this week or, or yeah. right now. I think it's this week, so he's probably back there now. The Saints are doing that. All these teams now are getting their little mini camps. Yeah, the mini camp, you're, you're, you're hearing good things out of Nakua from mini camps yeah. this, this past week that he's having a really impressing and turning some heads. So that, that'll be fun. You know, when we talk about scheduling, um, and there, there was a, some information put out this week, Teams playing at least 10 P5 opponents this fall. So they went to the conferences, the big ones, right? and then said, all right, who are you guys playing? How many teams are playing 10 P5s? BYU's going to play 10 P5s, 11 if they get to a bowl game. Right. Um, and so I thought it was interesting because the super conference that you thought would be, you know, the biggest and baddest and toughest, they're playing the least. Right. Because the Big 12 is, 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 is playing 11 of 14. So 11 of the 14 teams are playing 10 P5s. Right. And, and, the, and the Big 10 leads the way. Yeah. Uh, they have 14 teams in the Big 10. 13 of those teams are playing 10, 10 P5s. We salute them. Yeah, that. that's great. That and, might be Vanderbilt, but still. Yeah. Hey, Big 10's not afraid of anybody. No. So the, the Pac-12, 10 of their 12 teams are playing 10 P5 games. Is, is, Utah, is Utah one of those 10 12? They're playing Florida. They yeah, play so Weber State, then they and would. they play uh, Baylor. So, yeah, they should be one. Just yep, be one they're of one of those. Yep. ACC, 10 of the 15 teams in the ACC are playing um, at least 10 P5s. So where does the mighty Southeast Conference fit in? Two of the 14 teams are playing 10 P5s. Two. Because the SEC, they, their whole story is, 
It's the toughest league in all yeah. of college football. So we need to just schedule three wins to start the season before we get into our league play. And, and you don't need to play any P5s other than our league play. And you know what? That's worked for them. Yeah, that's great for Florida it's, it's, and It's Amazon. worked for them. It, and there's no reason for them to change that. The way to change it for the rest of college football is beat the P5s. And so then you're all of a sudden at the top of your division. Right. And you're, you're going, hey, Georgia or whatever, we, we should be ranked ahead of you because we beat all our P5s and you... You only played nine. Only played nine or eight. Right. Uh, but until that happens... They're just going to have it. History has shown us that you sometimes even get two SEC teams in. Yeah. Um, and, and so I think one of the things that could eliminate that is if you're, a, if you're in a P5 conference and you go out and win 10 or 11 P5 games, and then the second-place team in the SEC only has eight or nine wins against P5s. That should be enough. You should, yeah, it should be enough. It would be nine. I just thought that was interesting. Two of 14. That kind of jumped off the page. Yeah. And yeah. they argued this week, Nick Saban and all those guys are saying, hey, we're only going to do the eight. We're only doing the eight conference games, which allows them to stack their schedule a little bit. And um, really, it comes down for what for Alabama it comes down to when they play Auburn. Right. Uh, what, Florida, maybe Tennessee, and then they get into their championship yeah, it, game. Tennessee's back. They don't play Georgia in yeah. the regular season. Ten- Tennessee was back last year and really, really good again, which made college football seem, and the SEC seem like everything was right again when, t- when Tennessee's good. They had a long period of time when they weren't good. Some campus notes. This is a big week for track and field. The NCAA championships begin tomorrow, June 7th, over in Austin, Texas. Primetime coverage on ESPN2. And the Cougars are taking two really good groups over there. Yeah, the, the men, number 14 in the country, going in into this uh, this great meet. They'll have 11 athletes competing in eight events. Um, so that's very, very well represented. And the number 19 BYU women's team have 11 athletes competing in seven events. It's like, well, how can they have... Because like, you have multiple in some events and then relays. Yeah. So. Yeah, it's going to be... Um, they're good teams that have gone over. They yeah. shattered all the school records. And now you just see, okay... We're going to run against Texas now. We're going to run against Florida State and and see how we do. And typically, we do pretty well. We had a couple of national champions on the show last summer. That's right. From BYU. Uh, How about Jimmer? Did you catch it over the weekend? The the FIBA three-on-three World Cup over in Vienna. Uh, he put on a show. It was the first international taste of Jimmer Mania. Yeah, really cool. And he was lighting it up like Jimmer always lights it up, uh, which was really fun, just knocking down threes and taking people to the basket. Um, Team USA won the silver medal in this one in in the World Cup. Um, Top-seeded Serbia. And you mentioned earlier in the show, Serbia's won it how many times in a row? Six times. Yeah, they've won it six times in a row. So they're into this three-on-three thing. They they won 21-19. And and a Jimmer shot rattled out to win the thing and then I and know then it. I read scored. about it I saw I read about it and then um, and then I saw the highlights and I thought how in the world did that ball stay didn't didn't stay in the hoop it climbed back out that's right but you know what Jimmer doesn't care about the silver medal it's the gold medal he wants in Paris to him that he wants in Paris uh, so Jimmer led all scores in that tournament the whole tournament and, and he was named to the alternate team obviously um so this is a huge step for Jimmer toward making the USA roster for the Paris Olympics. I can, can you imagine them keeping Jimmer out? No, not at all. One, he's a fan favorite, and you can't stop him. Right, he, he's like he is. His game is custom made for this. Yeah, there's right. plenty of room on the floor. All he needs is one screen. 
And he's and and he still got his shot. You, you have to have guys that can score with the ball in their hands, like that can create shots. And he does that as well as anybody in the world. I think the world is going to get a large dose of Jimmermania at the Paris Olympics. And uh, what what nicer guy could they possibly uh, get to know in this setting than Jimmer Fredette? And uh, he said he'd be back on this show. Yeah. Remember before the Olympics? Said he'd do it. I think he'll find out in the fall when they named yeah. the, the team. But how do you not name Jimmer? He just was the leading scorer of the entire world. Yeah, the FIBA three on three world <laughs> championship. So, so and, and that's another Jimmer's interviews out on there on our in yes. our archives, and and you can go listen to that because he basically tells us he's going to make the Olympic team, and that's what he's going to do, and that's what he's focusing on. So he he foreshadows. You know, this this tournament and then the Olympics in Paris. So. He just makes shots, still does. Some baseball news. Austin Deming was named the Collegiate Baseball Third Team All-American. He was the co-WCC Player of the Year, won the league's Triple Crown, batting 418, 19 home runs, 68 runs batted in, number one in all three of those categories in the league. And I think he's got an uh, he's got a major league arm. He's got a big bat, and now we'll see what's next for Austin Deming. But hey, all American in baseball. We don't get those too often uh, down the way, and, right. and he's got it. So congratulations to Austin. Hey, how about how about women's hoops? Um, an old friend of ours is in the news with women's hoop, and, and, and we have to be careful because he's kind of our age. But long time friend. When I say old friend, friend, mean yeah, he's we're old. Are we not old? <laughs> He's not older than us, but he's an old friend. We've been friends for a long, long time. John Wardenberg is going to join Amber Whiting's staff as an assistant coach. What an interesting hire. Yeah. I and think he's it's fantastic. Very experienced. And Wardenberg was an assistant coach in the men's program under Steve Cleveland and Dave Rose. He was here from 2001 to 2010 um, and uh, made great contributions. John, John's a great technician. Um, he is... He understands game management really, really well because he's been there in so many big games. He's a good recruiter. I, th- I think this is a great, experienced hire um, for Amber Whiting to bring onto the staff. I so think you, that's a you've fun You've got fun. Lee Kamard, who we're going to have on the show next month, uh, Morgan Bailey, who's been on the show, and John Wardenberg. That's a pretty good staff. Yeah, and so John, he's been the last two seasons, John, John's been back at Southern Virginia. Um, where his son Adam is the head coach. He's been helping out there. We like John. Uh, one thing about John is he's real. Oh, yeah. And uh, he'll tell you like it is. We'll get, we'll get John on the show. John, yeah, come on absolutely. the show with us. We'll absolutely. definitely get John on. He's got some great stories. And, and when I saw that, I thought, you know what? This And we had Amber on uh, with Amari a couple weeks ago. This women's program is going places. Oh, yeah. They're going to compete. They are going quickly, places. Quickly. And a lot of talent on that squad right now. Just young. Just young. Give him, a, give him a couple years. Hey, let's finish up. We're going to finish up a little earlier than normal. Those listening on the podcast, sorry about that. But, hey, this is – we're not going two hours tonight. Yeah. But um, it's, it's been a crazy couple of days, so we cut a little bit short. So. But there was a lot going on on this day, uh, June 6th, in history. And we're going to try to cover it all here in just a couple over – over a couple of minutes. Yeah, so in 1844, the YMCA was founded in London – Young Men's Christian Association in London. Why did I think the YMCA all this time was a U.S. institution? Not, well, maybe because it's so prominent yeah. in, in the big cities. I grew up, like, I, growing up back home in New York, I played basketball at the YMCA with my buddies. Las Vegas was yep. big. It's a big, big place for kids. A lot of kids don't have anywhere else to go after school. They go to the YMCA. Yeah, absolutely. And, uh, so founded on this day. 1882, the Electric Iron was patented in New York. It weighed 15 pounds. How do you iron with a 15-pound iron? I don't know, but it's flat. It flattens, it flattens to close out. It flattens your sure. shirt. 
So how about 1925? Chrysler Corporation is founded by Walter Chrysler. 1925. It's, it's, it's so weird to think that in, in our life, like my grandparents didn't have a car when they were little. Yeah. Like it, the, the car was invented in our grandparents' lifetime. And, and it's just crazy to me. And now we can drive an electric car. You know, it's I, got a GPS. I, I was noticing my car the other day. I'm not going to say what kind it is, but I was going 80 coming back from St. George. I kind of got trapped in and I needed to get off at an exit. And I just stomped on a little bit and I went up to 105 easy. Just like that? Just like that. And then back in. And Did then the thought, engine growl at all? Could my, my grandfather, could my great grandfather ever imagine? That I could drive a car 105 miles an hour and be completely stable. Well, and It's yeah. going to be so mad. They're going to be, some of them are going to be so mad at us. Yeah. Yep. They came in on the wagon. Yeah, exactly. Uh, on this day, June 6, 1942, Japanese forces retreat, ending the Battle of Midway. Yeah, huge. That yeah. was quite a movie. Big, big day. Midway. Yeah. So, um, 1944, one of the biggest days in history, D-Day. Operation Overlord, 156,000 Allied forces land in Normandy, France. Can you just imagine Imagine sitting on the beach and watching that, watching 156,000 troops come ashore? It's crazy to even think about it. it it's hard to imagine a conflict like that um, because today's conflicts are so far away. You know, you, you fly a drone over, you don't even have to be there. To to, uh, to to fight a battle in the Middle East anymore. You just fly drones, unmanned drones, but but that was hand to hand combat yeah. stuff. And, yeah. and you know what? I don't. I'm so grateful for those men and women that did that. Um, I'd like to think that uh, you know, I'd like to think that that our generation could do something like that. Hopefully, never will have to. But I'm not so sure. Yeah. I'm not so sure. It, it's a lot of people gave their lives to preserve freedom. It's an amazing. You know, an amazing day that we should honor. So that was on this day in 1944. Um, 1965, the Rolling Stones released I Can't Get No Satisfaction. And we've been listening to it ever since. Which is crazy to me because I, like, I was barely alive at that time. You weren't even I wasn't alive. even here yet. I was but barely. But I knew when I got there, there'd be a song I called I Can't Get No Satisfaction. I was barely alive, and the Stones were already big. <laughs> the Stones were already big. And they're still around. And they're still, and they were big, through, they've been big throughout our entire lifetime. That's awesome. Uh, the 1966, the AFL and NFL merged to create the National Football League, and the Super Bowl is born on this day, 1966. That's right. 1991. NBC announces that Jay Leno is going to replace Johnny Carson as host of The Tonight Show. I mean, Remember Johnny Carson, an institution, right? The, the hubbub was, hey, is that going to Letterman? Is it yeah. going to Leno? Yeah, it and, to Leno. And, it, and, and, and Letterman I, stayed late. Later. I interviewed Jay Leno one time, and I was really impressed by him. Yeah. And so I, I, I liked Leno. I thought there's, he was there's been some great, great hosts, nighttime hosts, but has anybody ever done it like Johnny Carson? No, he's when you see some clips on YouTube, you're like, man, that guy. He just he invented that role. That's how people wrapped up their day on NBC yeah. uh, in Utah. People wrapped up their day watching Mash. That's right. Um, that's after the after the late news. 2002 on this day, The Born Identity premieres in the United States with Matt Damon. Do you like that series? Oh yeah. It's if, hey, it, that's it, one of the ones. If I'm just flicking through channels and I don't have, and I'm like. 
oh, is this the born supremacy? Is this the born identity? Yeah, which is one it, is this? Which one is it? Do you have a favorite? And I, I liked, um, I liked all of them, and I get them confused. Yeah. Um, the last one was even interesting because it kind of put a bow on it. But uh, I like the music. You know, they move the camera in a different thing. The the fight scenes are are different from, let's say, uh, Rocky one, two, three, four, and five. You know, it, 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 they just used a different technique that made them unique. Yeah. Hey, um, uh, Spencer McMillan says Spencer's outfit on Sports Nation today deserves some praise. Um, I, I saw it this afternoon. Yeah. He, looked, he was a walking American flag. That's pretty awesome. He walked into a meeting. I said, should we salute? They, what do you do? Do you stand up when he comes into the room? I felt like I should have. Yeah. Um, it, and uh, BYU Sports Addict says he loves all Bourne movies, as we all do, right? Yeah. Hey, qu- question for you all out there. Like, when I've been to the movies recently, I went to see The Little Mermaid live. How was it? Live. Was it all right? Actually good. Was it? True to the story, and the acting was really good. The the, You know, I'm always amazed at how they can, you know, the special effects to be able to put a real person underwater and make it look real. It was great. It was really good. I'm looking forward to seeing uh, Indiana Jones. That's what I was going to ask everybody about. What about Indiana Jones? It's not had some great write-ups. I haven't seen any good write-ups about but it, but I don't I'm even going care anyway. About that. It's, it, to that, it just is going to be nostalgic yeah. for me to go to Indiana Jones. And I saw the t- promo for The Flash. Yeah. Um, you know, that's got Superman in it. That's got a couple of Batmans. It's got yeah. Michael Keaton as Batman in it. Yeah, I'm Batman. Yeah, so I, I think I might want to see that one, yeah. too. I don't understand The Flash, but well, if he's I, got Superman in it, right, I'm happy. Right interested. now, the one I'm most looking forward to for the summer is the Indiana Jones, just because it just has such history. Yeah. You know? So On this day, today, uh, the oh, PGA right. Tour. I did forgot Linda. You're right. Linda Murray, she always fixes stuff when we get it. We I forgot there's a brand new Mission Impossible coming out. Oh, yeah, that is right. And I saw the coming attractions for that at the movies the other night, too. Yeah, I'm in on that one, too. Thanks, Linda, for reminding us about that. Tom Cruise can still do it. Oh, yeah, he can still do it. PGA Tour and the Live Tour today announcing a merger to unify professional golf around the world. Interesting that we mentioned a moment ago, this is the same day that the NFL and AFL merged together. In 1966. In 1966. And so here in 2023, the two golf tours have merged together. We're still not sure how it's all going to shake out. Because one's a big-time for-profit and the other's a not-for-profit, right? Well, yeah. But now they've got a, now they've just got to kind of... You know what? I, I don't know anything about this, but let me just say, when I was reading it today and I was surprised to hear it, I first thing I thought of was, you know, the NCA was facing a lot of heat from Congress for antitrust-type stuff. And... Um, and all of a sudden, their response was, hey, you know what, guys? We're going to allow name, image, and likeness. Everybody gets paid. Yep. And I thought, okay, was that to protect the books? And no, they don't want anybody coming in stupid around. So here's the PGA Tour, which has been adamant of against Liv uh, all this time. And then all of a sudden this morning, we're all together. We're merging. And I'm thinking they had the same kind of threat from the government. It's like, look, is it, is it a monopoly? Is there an antitrust thing here? What? Maybe we'll go into the books, I, and all of a sudden they cut a deal. Hey, more money for everybody. And well, I'm just wondering the, the, if it was the same kind of thing. The thing that rubbed a lot of folks wrong was is the current tour players, they didn't gather them up and, and announce what was going on. No, they found out on Twitter. Yeah, they found out on Twitter. That's bad form. I got to say that's bad form. And uh, It is bad form, but I don't know how you keep it like you pull everyone together. They're going to be upset, and then you say, hey, by the way, don't announce. Don't yeah, respond. You, you couldn't keep that under wraps. How how did they keep it under wraps? I don't know. But that's, that's a story that's in the, and of itself. So we're going to find out all, all about that. And we'll so. see how it shakes out. But yeah. for the golfer, for the golf fan, 
we just we want to turn the TV on. We want to see the best golfers. Right. And we want to see golfers we know. Right. And we want all the golfers in all the majors. Yeah. So. And and in the Ryder Cup, uh, we want Kepka, who's the best player in the world right now, playing for the U.S. Right. Because the whole object is to beat the Europeans. Right. So so. Is it a world competition like the Olympics, or is it the PGA Tour of America against the PGA Tour of Europe? And if that's it, then just call it that. Yeah. But it can't be us against them if our best golfer isn't going. I'm still not sure how that's going to work out, but I think they're thinking the whole live merger will be effective next year. Yeah, it, I'm, I'm really interested to read all that went on behind the scenes and put this thing together. So that was the way we started the day. It was like, huh, you know what? There's never a, there's never a day never of a nothing. Never a dull moment anymore. Not at so. all. How about birthdays? June 6th birthdays. Um, 1956, Beyond Borg, 11-time Grand Slam champ. He wore the headband. He rocked the headband. I have, I have to say that Jim Kimball, and he spelled it G-Y-M. Yeah. They played quarterback at BYU. He was a backup guy back with Jimmy Mack and Steve and, and all of us back in the days in the early 80s. Uh, one day he showed up uh, to school and to practice. He was a complete tennis outfit with a headband. And we said, Jim, <laughs> what, what are you doing? He says, I'm, I'm Beyond Borg. He spoke in an accent. He says, no, seriously, what are you doing? And he, he stayed in character all day. All day long. He, he went out to football practices beyond Borg. <laughs> Eventually transferred to Utah State um, and played up there, but oh, he was a character. Uh, some notable deaths on this day in our history. 1799, Patrick Henry passed away. Colonial fame. We'll have more on Patrick in just a moment. Yeah, 1968, Robert F. Kennedy was assassinated in Los Angeles. 1979, Jack Haley. Who was Jack Haley? He was the Tin Man in Wizard of Oz. Yeah. Passed away today in 1979. What, what was his song, If I Only Had a Heart? Was uh, he one? Did he want the heart? Yeah, because the lion wanted courage, or did the lion want heart? Yeah, he's like, I could while away the hours conversing with the flowers, consulting with the rain. <laughs> I'd be friends with the sparrows and the boy that shoots the arrows if I... Oh, that's... Are you sure? Is that the No, that's that the, the I mix two of them. I miss I mix Scarecrow? I mix Scarecrow and the Heart. Because he said because <laughs> his was if I only had a heart. Hey, he did I, I say I'd be friends always, with the sparrows and the boy that shoots the arrows if I only had a heart. In the show, they're Picture always me. doing the oil can to keep yeah. the tin man going and, and it was I was just like He was great. Anyway, yeah, picture yeah, he me a balcony away today. above a voice sings low. Wherefore art thou Romeo? I hear a beat. How sweet. That's it. That's the Tin Man. That's the Tin Man. We miss the Tin Man. Thank you, Linda. Linda comments, Blaine's a great singer. And I'm singing with rock and roll in the headset. Yeah. Because we've got a little that's, rock and roll background. Right. And, we, and, the, and, we, and we mixed. Crossing the streams. We mixed the Wizard of Oz <laughs> with, which you know, they say don't cross the streams, but I don't think it hurt. So, Hey, our wise guy's inspirational quote of the week is from Patrick Henry. It's one of the most famous quotes in history, right? So we, here we go. Is life so dear or peace so sweet as to be purchased at the price of chains and slavery? Forbid it, almighty God. I know not what course others may take. But as for me, give me liberty or give me death. And then the fight was on. And yeah. here we are, recipients, all this time later. Yeah, it's amazing. Yeah, that's what, what, truly give me liberty or give me death. Um, you know, credited to Patrick Henry, one of the greatest quotes in the history of the world. On our Wise Guys promo today, I recorded Give Me the Wise Guys or Give Me Death. There you go. <laughs> uh, in the spirit of 
of uh, Patrick Henry. Our thanks to Jordan Leslie. Outstanding interview that we opened the show with tonight. Podcast will be up tomorrow. You can catch it again. And uh, our highlights will come to you in our email. If you go to ysguys.com and subscribe, and then they'll just magically send it to you. And I'm, I'm not sure what Jack's going to do. There were so many good things in that interview. Yeah. Uh, but the whole thing will be up with the podcast. Yeah, there you go. And next week, Fessy Sitaki. What do you want to hear from Fessy? Um, I want him to talk about um, the impact that these – he's got two really big transfers um, and how they're going to mold in with, with Epps and, and with uh, Robertson and that group. Um, I want him to tell us all about their skill set and what role he sees them playing, the two, two big transfers. We've been waiting a while, uh, but we've had to work around his schedule. So Fessy and then Harvey Unga will we'll, we'll just shift right to the yep. running backs the following yep. week. So we've got some great stuff coming up here the rest of the month of June on the wise guys and again we implore you to go to our youtube channel and hit subscribe it's free and we're trying to build that number i think we're close to uh 1500 which is actually pretty good for a young show like this one so we feel like we got momentum so uh, ask your friends to do it as well and we're just going to build and build and build until we have we we have way more down you know we have way more downloads than that of of the podcasts and you but we want you to subscribe we want subscribers. That subscribe. We'd love you to listen. We'd love you to download it. We'd love to have you on live with us. But we really need you to subscribe. So get out there and subscribe. And it's at our favorite price, which free. is free. Yep. And to quote our friend Elder Weissakahema, if it's free, it's for me, and I'll take three. <laughs> have a great week, everybody. Thanks for watching The Wise Guys. We'll see you next time. <laughs>